We're living in a cultural moment where injustice is ubiquitous. Every day or two, we encounter a story about human content for another human. We see the sinful, prideful, self-absorbed desires of the human heart, despising people based on the color of their skin and exploiting the, the weak. This is a heart-wrenching, sobering moment for humanity. Thinking about the recent anti-Asian hate crimes and those innocent people who were murdered in Atlanta, I can't shake the thought that it might have been me, as my husband said the other night. As you know, four of them were Korean women. Terrifying thought. Where can we find justice for these innocent people's death? Where can we find redemption? The blood is shed, injustice done. And we're left with feelings of frustration, anger, and even shame. How can we trust in the possibility of a true justice? Where can we find a hope that can silence our raging hearts and console our somber souls? As we think about John's narrative of the passion of Christ this evening, I hope we can see God's righteous response to the world's injustice and find the justice we desire and the comfort we need in the person and work of Christ at the cross. When we compare John's account to the other Gospels, we notice it is different from the others. First, it is very much centered around how God faithfully kept his costly promise. John intentionally reports the words and actions of the people involved in each sin to show how they fulfill the Old Testament prophecies and reminds the readers repeatedly that all is done according to the scriptures. In verse 28, it says, Jesus held his last breath until he knew all was fulfilled. By affirming and fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies down to the last minute, John displays God's infinite faithfulness and infallible word. In a faithless, unreliable world, God is faithful and reliable. God is faithful and reliable for you right now. Secondly, another unique aspect of this account is that John puts God's grand salvation narrative in a personal context. Verses 25 through 27 show a short moment of John's last interaction with Jesus. There he refers himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is how John refers himself throughout his gospel. It seems clear that he wants to be defined and known primarily in the context of his relationship with Jesus and his love for him. When we think about the current culture, this is significant. Think about how we are constantly defined by race, color, political position, even by gender preference. While we cannot be completely from what the culture tells about who we are, yet this kind of labeling cannot capture the whole person. We are not made to be defined as a mere fact. We are made to be known in the context of relationships. We are relational beings. Does this labeling culture only divides us and blinds us from seeing the whole truth? So this little section John included here is a testament to us that we have a personal God who knows, sees, understands, 
pays attention to each one of us so closely that we can find ourselves in him, as John did. In a world which abuses personhood, Jesus affirms each person. Lastly, John's narrative pays much attention to Jesus' commitment to accomplish God's will. We see Jesus endure the horrors of the injustice he was facing moment by moment and how he responded to all the ridicule of those around him. When faced the crowd's self-righteous shouts to crucify him, he remained silent. Though he had opportunities to defend himself before Pilate, he didn't open his mouth. Instead, he let himself be totally unguarded, gave up his divine power and control. Many of the victims in our, life, in our time are stripped of their dignity and control. Jesus steps directly into their experience. Jesus steps directly into those who were killed unjustly. He humbles himself to be the one abused, dismissed, and murdered unjustly. God crushed his only son to disarm the power of injustice, and Jesus himself be tremendously vulnerable and completely surrendered to God's will to make it all possible. Jesus' commitment brought us life. As I mentioned the current cultural moment in the beginning, our hearts are so heavy and grievous these days. It seems there's no end to humanity's simple desires. We are so divided and torn apart. We want to see, G we want to see justice done properly, to see people live rightly for each other, but the cries for justice in the public arena sometimes feel more like hunger for more power and control, doesn't it? Human efforts to bring justice and make our future brighter and better seem futile. These things are failing. Human justice in its perpetual imperfection will never be enough to satisfy our longing. All of these makes us feel utterly, utterly helpless. Then where can we find hope? What is the Christian hope? Through his eyewitness, John tells us this hope can be found at the cross, where the curse, is, curse, of, the, curse of sin is broken, all injustice will be set to right, and our cynicism is finally silenced. The cross makes us see the world and life in a completely different way, because through the cross, we're given a true hope and life. This cross is the Christian hope. So John is inviting us to come and meet Jesus at the cross where we can see what a true living means. Despite all the horrors he witnessed, John's narrative is not sorrowful. John keeps his somber mind and says, he who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. Here, he's saying that justice is certain, hope is trustworthy, because Jesus is true and trustworthy. And he's inviting us tonight to believe in Jesus' finished work, to meet him personally and see and taste the wonder and beauty of the cross. In those moments when we actually meet this Jesus at the cross, 
all in reverence, cast all things in a new light, and lead us in worship. Brothers and sisters, wouldn't you join me tonight to worship this Jesus, our King and Redeemer? Blessed be to your name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.